Welcome to another episode of Through the Web Podcast. Yes, we are back. We are back in the studio. Back in uh, business. I'm your host, Tosif. And I'm Dagogo. And it's episode 15. Uh-huh. It's been a few weeks we haven't seen each other uh, for good reasons too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll start off with you. How was your, not week, but <laughs> weeks? Uh, yeah, it was It was good. It was very interesting. There's a, there's a bit of a story with the travel. So... For those of you who don't know, I was away in Amsterdam for uh, an event. Um, I got nominated for an award, essentially. Um, so, I guess starting off, the the trip the trip didn't get off to a good start because um, from Perth, um, I was flying with Qatar Airways, and they completely butchered everything. So they overbooked the flight. So I had to kind of, you know, stay and wait around the airport to see when the next flight would be. And it ended up being like five hours later. So this was like 2 a.m. And then uh, they said, oh, we'll book you into a hotel. So it was supposed to be um, going from Perth to Qatar and then Qatar to Amsterdam. But they couldn't figure out an easier way. So it was with Singapore Airlines that they managed to get us on. And it went from Perth to um, Singapore, Singapore to France, France to Amsterdam. And there was a pretty long layover in Singapore and a really long layover in France. Um, And the France one was overnight. So they said, there'll be some people there waiting for you and you'll be all sorted. You'll get an accommodation. So so there was actually a few of us um, who were stranded at that point. So, yeah, we were kind of talking. We're like, okay, that would be fine. Um, So essentially got to Singapore um, and that was all good. And then went to France. Um, and mind you, this is, you know, 20 hours of flying at this point. So get to France, it's midnight, and then get off the plane. And then there's this guy who um, is from Qatar Airways who's like, oh, you know, um, he had a sign and everything. And then I was like, oh, this is good. So they actually organized this. And he's, he's like, very little English, simple English. Go to train station, go lift level five. And then I was like, what? And he repeats it. And it's like simple English. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and then he had like a, a little thing with the hotel written on it with the phone number. So I was like, okay, sweet. So um, when I was at the baggage carousel, I met, uh, there was a couple that was stranded with me from Perth um, who was also on the overbooked flight. So we we're all talking. We're like, did you understand what he said? Mm. And then they were like, uh, not really, but let's just wander around and try and find it. So we ended up doing that. Um, so we got to uh, the kind of carousel, I mean, sorry, taxi rank in um, out, just outside the airport. This would have been midnight by this stage. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, I think we're supposed to wait here. And then uh, so the the van, well, actually before this, there was this guy that was just screaming. He was going nuts, just screaming in French and like. Just outside the airport? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was, yeah, at midnight screaming and just like at no one talking to himself and everything. Like, oh. <laughs> so then, um, yeah, eventually in about 15 minutes, our thing came. We're just asking every car, like, are you going to this hotel? And then we got, no, no, no. And then the, the right one came. We're like, okay, good, let's go. So then we get in the, the taxi, well, it was kind of like a shuttle, which was booked by Qatar Airways. Remember this? <laughs> Qatar Airways booked this shuttle. So we drive 15 minutes, we get to the hotel, and then I go up to the counter and we're like, oh, you know, there's been a – mistake well not a mistake there's been an issue and um Qatar Airways has booked this hotel for us um and then uh it was I was like yeah it's booked through the, the through the airline and then the guy at the counter was like what airline what I don't understand what airline are you talking about and I was like I explained it again and I was like no oh, well here's the passport just check the name it should be there and then it's like nope no <laughs> no name no name under this and then the couple that were with me who also you know came outside the airport and everything they uh asked the same question and then he was like, no, nope, no rooms. 
all booked. All rooms are booked. Every hotel around here is booked. And then we're like, what? So then like, we search off and then whatever. So yeah, Qatar Airways didn't even book the hotel for us. Um, so so would, you sure you went to the right hotel? Yeah, though, when we, we checked. Yeah. Right phone number, hotel oh. thing. Was, it was all the same. So we called up Qatar Airways and they were like, oh, we, we don't know what's going on. And then um, they, you know, we got transferred around from different people. And then eventually they're like, we can't do anything. So it was like one one a.m. We're just outside this this <laughs> hotel in France, and we're like, "What do we What do we do? Like, what 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 are we supposed to do now?" So we had no option but to go back to the airport, and essentially we just looked around for some more places if there was um anywhere to stay, but that was all booked out as well. So we're just walking around, and I kind of gave up. So the couple, I was like, "You guys go on. I'm just gonna like try and sleep on the floor here," and then uh, so I did. Didn't really, really sleep at all. But then later on, I tried to go and find another place and then I saw them on the floor as well sleeping. So I was oh. like, oh, they, they didn't make it. So, um, yeah, so it was like a horrible, horrible yeah. experience. And then w- when was your flight after? From so that, to- that was about 8 a.m. Was, was oh, so, you, so basically the whole night you had to just, just stay up and go, oh, God. Yeah, it, was, it was terrible. It's, it's, it's crazy because I've, I've heard about stories of being over, you know, uh, flights being overbooked in the U.S. a lot, right. especially in the domestic airways because um, apparently it's a technique of yeah. making more money in some cases or in some pe- cases people not showing up yeah but for international flights especially out of Perth, australia this is the first instance i've, I've heard about that so, so yeah i was talking to my dad and um he kind of explained like in the way that makes the most sense so essentially they have you know it's like almost mat- statistically mathematically like i think it's like 1.3 percent of people who you say they're going to be on the flight aren't. Yeah. So they kind of take that into account and kind of play their luck and say, hey, like, you know, we'll be able to get a full flight anyway if we overbook. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, because consumer behavior has changed, like everyone wants to fly now, so they got caught with their pants down essentially. Right. So I think that's that's what Yeah, happened. because right now, because of coronavirus and the whole pandemic, mm-hmm. it's, people want, they're making sure that they're getting on those flights. Yeah, because exactly. it's the first time in years they're probably getting yeah. on the plane. So that, that's what happened. And like, yeah. you could see it at airports everywhere. It was just packed. Oh, there was wow. people everywhere. Right. And what made it worse was that there was a staff shortage. Of so, course. Yeah. So there's, there's, everything took extra long. People checking like, you know, bags, but then also for the planes to be refueled, like, because there was not enough people to do that. It was mm. all backlogged and you're just sitting on the tarmac. It was like, oh. yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah, that's travel these days. Is this, that the new normal that they were talking about? <laughs> I hope not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's hope not. But, uh, but on the way back, was it? A, yeah, the, yeah, well, the way back here was, was pretty smooth. Except, except they closed the, okay. okay. So after Amsterdam, I went to, to Berlin mm-hmm. uh, to visit a couple of mates. And then on the way back, um, essentially I gave myself, I was like, I don't want any crazy stuff. I'm going to give myself two hours extra on top of what I'd normally do. And uh, the taxi ride that was supposed to take 20 minutes took an hour, over an hour and a half because they closed the autobahn. I don't know why. And then all the back roads, a lot of them were closed and people, it was just traffic jams. Everyone was like, wow. But um, yeah, still made it on time. But yeah, I think it's, <laughs> uh, it's going to be quite tricky flying around, but it's yeah. good that you're, you're back uh, yeah. in, in one piece. Yeah. <laughs> that's made probably it. what, yeah, made it back. Uh, so that's good to, good to hear. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the event was good too. Didn't end up winning, but uh, yeah. it was uh, definitely a good experience. So um, well, appreciate well, well, that. Maybe next time. Yeah, maybe next time. Uh, how about yourself? What's what's? Uh, been uh, I've been here? super busy, just doing stuff. Um, new things kind of popping up, and uh, yeah, quite excited about uh, a few things. <laughs> but other than that, um, yeah, just I guess the biggest learning of of this week is um, shoes are important. Shoes, shoes. You don't get taught that at school. Neither are you taught about taxes. 
Yeah, or but, much else. Oh, yeah. During, <laughs> but, <laughs> to do with life. Uh, anyway, exactly. I mean, yeah. So um, I do play uh, a bit of soccer and I, you know, try and, and run a little bit. And I only realized that how important shoes are later down in my life. Because previously I would just get whatever was the best looking shoe. Mm. And, and that's it. Like what I thought was nice looking, a good brand and all that. But the more I got into it, the more I learned that your feet is so unique. Um, you could have like two different sizes feats that you may not know about it may require two different um things like all the athletes and players they have custom shoes for you that so that it doesn't because if you don't have the right shoes and you keep using it you'll end up with you know right. back pains right. and all the other kind of ailments that come with it which you don't realize until you've hit like 30 35 40 right um i have i started the journey in that decade <laughs> and uh, it has already caught up with me um that's also because you know i've been wearing like uh, bad shoes for for soccer all these years so i finally learned the lesson and um yeah i think that's something i thought i'd pass on to our listeners that right make sure your shoes fit because <laughs> my, my my two feet are, are, are different as well my, my, my two foots um right. one size is different to the other that's yeah i didn't know that was a thing yeah so, guess so you just uh have to to go in but other than that yeah uh, a good week uh, otherwise um mm-hmm. just just cruising along um for what i watched over the time you were gone i finished stranger things finally right. okay um and it was uh, without giving away it was it was brilliant brilliant uh, it okay, was brilliant good, good. um because yeah, I wasn't feeling as much, you know, hopeful after season two and season three. Right. Um, but season four kind of grabbed me by the collar and just smashed it home. Okay. <laughs> it's like it's it's um that's a weird expression, grabbing by the collar. <laughs> I don't think I've heard that before. Uh, but but that's how I felt when yeah, I watched yeah. it. So uh, I think there's a second part of it coming. End of yeah. So there's more like they've they've divided into two parts. So whatever you have now is the first part, and the second part's in first and second July. There's oh. two two big, huge episodes, and the the problem is the episodes are so big, They're yeah, like but an hour and a half. It's but it's good, worth it. You it, don't feel that. You treat it like movies, exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, for me, for me. How how far are you in? Uh, episode six now. Oh, oh I just finished episode. So six. you're on the finale. Uh, Actually, no, no, I'm halfway through episode six. Okay, so you just have to. Okay, well, yeah. uh, hopefully by next week we'll get your reaction. To yeah, it, but, no, but I'm liking it so far. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a lot darker than uh, season three for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's done a good job holding the pace. All I could say now, I know that there's a spoiler that I haven't heard about to do with Ellie's story, but as far as I can see from my perspective, without knowing that spoiler, I find her arc to be quite slow. Compared mm-hmm. to everything else that's going on, so I'm like, eh. which I thought was a bit refreshing because, you know, like it gave life and character. I, call, I called her Ellie, didn't I? Ellie. Eleven. Eleven. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, you're giving nicknames to characters. <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, I'm thinking of The Last of Us. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> draw some parallels there. But um, I think you were right initially. I think a few weeks ago you, you brought her up uh, because you're talking about how there's the an fakes. older, there's yeah. a deep fix. I think yeah, you're right. There's mm-hmm. and I saw an image of her actually directing a younger child who looks like her, uh, but the face is different. different yeah, that's, so they, that's, that's what I assumed. Yeah, like yeah. as soon as I saw her, I was like, hang on, <laughs> I know what's going on. There. And one other interesting thing um, is uh, again, without giving too much away, if you haven't watched it, is there was a specific song uh, in oh, the yeah, in right. the thing. Um, in the show, which um, never went over top 30 when it first released, uh, I think 1985 or like almost three decades ago. Um, it's now in the top 10 
uh, in the world after Stranger Things made its uh, debut went crazy on TikTok. Mm. People were using it everywhere, and now it's climbed back up. That's yeah, number eight that's after insane. after uh, thirty years. So it's uh, it's fascinating how mm. these things all kind of work. This whole network of things just. Yeah, it's lo- just love the inter- it. internet, man. Internet, just, uh, just beautiful. <laughs> through stuff. the web, through the web, it all <laughs> through happens. The web. That's it. That's it. That's what we call it the show. Uh, but what else have you watched uh, this week? Oh, I got a lot. Um, a lot. Whoa. I got a lot. So the thing is, I, I don't want to stay here for six hours and, and tell you all about it. So I'm going to list them all for you. And you, you do and, a six-hour episode, <laughs> and you choose one. So okay. I've got. Uh, is it possible to cook a chicken just by slapping it? That's that's one. Uh, <laughs> I think I've heard that. Well, that um, living in third person for 50 hours. Um, Ryan Treehan? Yes. yes okay. uh, there's an AI that this guy made that uh, broke the game Tetris, the original code for Tetris. Um, Monkeypox mutating. Uh, the, the ECB saying there's a debt emergency in Europe. And uh, Windows versus Mac, um, a really good review of both systems. I'll choose the last one mm-hmm. only because it's quite relevant to our current situation, your current situation. Right. Yeah. I think there's probably more protein in that one. Yeah. Even though there's probably more protein in the chicken slab because it's <laughs> chicken. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. So um, there's this channel called F Stoppers. So he's like a, uh, I guess, camera guy by nature. But he's, you know, Windows 100%. He uses servers and all this kind of stuff. And he was just doing a long look at Mac OS and the new Mac, M- well, the, at that time, new Mac M1 laptop just to see if he could use it as, you know, a full workhorse machine by plugging into external monitors and, you know, replacing his desktop Windows machine. Um, And I thought it was the best, most genuine review that I'd seen in a long time because I was talking to you guys about this earlier but before the podcast, but it feels like reviews these days, they just kind of list off the specs. It's like, you know, it's got this processor, it's fast, blah, 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 blah. The screen's like this, but you can kind of read that off the spec sheet. But this guy, like he went into the real details of just, he, he knew that he didn't know everything. It was like, this is my experience. This is how I feel when I'm using it. Um, this is what really annoys me. And these are the little details that I don't understand why it's like this on Mac and why Windows just um, seems to work better in this way. And uh, vice versa, sometimes Mac does good things that Windows doesn't. But, you know, just for example, like um, he was talking about the dock bar in, in, in Mac OS and how, you know, in Windows, when you have a certain application that you're using, you can see multiple instances of that application. You can hover over it and see a little windowed preview. And then if you're on multiple monitors, you can grab that application and move it across to another window and then it'll follow you in the dock bar. Wow. But for Mac OS, it's just the icon with a dot. And that's that's all the information that you get. And it's like it becomes very slow when you have multiple apps um, that you're working with and switching between because you kind of have to look and say, where is it in the dock right. bar? And then for he's saying that, Mac OS's solution to this is to have that, uh, what's it called? Um, the thing, the three finger swipe up yep. where everything explodes, but um, use multiple desktops and do that. So you have one for like maybe finder files and one for yep. web browsing and whatever. But he was saying that it doesn't, it's not really, you know, it doesn't really work for him. It seems like it, it doesn't make sense. Uh, another one that I found was interesting was in terms of like opening windows to full size. So in Mac OS, you can do that by like double clicking on like the, this little top shelf that you can double click on. So for most apps, it you know kind of goes full screen, um, still allowing you to see the dock bar. But then for some apps, it doesn't. Like for the Finder files and some options, and it's not options, but like um, stuff within the actual like OS system, yeah. 
It doesn't. It's like you double click and it just opens the window a little bit. So it's like, why is there that inconsistency? Why does that not make sense? And then also like if you want to drag something, say you've got a video clip and you want to put it in a Premiere thing, you can't drag it down to the Premiere thing on the dock bar that opens up and you put it in there. Wow. You have to go directly from Finder into the Premiere Pro and that works, but it seems like it should. Like, and it's just, you never hear about these things yeah. from other reviews. And it's like, this is really helping me because I'm thinking about getting a Mac um, and I just want to know what the problems would I be facing? And like, right. no one goes through that. So, yeah. um, but the interesting thing about this was that was like eight months ago. And ever since it's been like, you know, doing more videos and going further in depth. And now he loves the Mac. So he's, he, it was just really interesting to see that, yeah. that arc, but um, he's managed to find workarounds through most things. And it's like, all right, so I understand I can't do things the way I want to. So let me try and work the way that Mac thinks that I do. Yeah. Um, and oh, just one last thing that uh, in, in total, he reckons that Mac OS, they like to simplify things too much into like in a way that they kind of think that they know best. Fit all. Yeah. So like, uh, for example, when you're transferring files, yeah. they show you the time remaining, but that's it. They don't show you the transfer speed. But for him, like he uses like USB 3.1 or, or whatever, like, uh, and he wants to know just if it's working properly, like the transfer speeds are important to, to note for him. He uses right. that every day daily. And um, when he goes online and asks about this, People are like, yeah, Mac can't do that, but why do you want to do that? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And everyone's kind of saying, you know, who who needs that? Mm. But um, yeah, it was just it was just a very interesting insight into to the Mac world, and um, it's kind of informing my decision a little bit. So yeah, um, I I've always been a Windows user all my life. Um, in around 2015 and 16, I had, was a part of this um, company um, where I did a lot of graphic design, and they only used Mac there so i had to actually pick up um a lot of the the, the apple ecosystem stuff uh, for work and it, it took a little bit of uh, adjusting to do at first mm-hmm. but as a creative i think there's no better alternative uh to mac uh, even though i kind of stayed with windows because i feel to get the best outcome you need to have the whole ecosystem for for apple um as a creative but um, and I still think a part of me wants to to go there, um, mm. but then I think, oh man, I have to relearn everything and yeah. give up like the the comfort of Windows and and, and stuff. But I think be, because you're a creator yourself, I'm sure you find a lot of um, benefits there. So it's, it'll be interesting to see if you do choose uh, to go in. Actually, I'll, I'll bring Brayden in in on this one. If you, um, yeah, so uh, you are also planning to get into Mac because your Windows laptop's been uh, pretty. <laughs> problematic. Spend four thousand bucks on a laptop and it starts to overheat within the first week. You know, um, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of did the same thing. I did a lot of research into Mac. I'm still on the I'm like on that kind of yeah. border of switching or not. But um, yeah, like I've used Windows forever, and it's everything works to an extent. If you know what I mean, like you get you get everything. Everything works fine. I've switched out of Adobe recently. Like I've been going to DaVinci Resolve. So that okay. Like I know that Premiere seems to majority of the time work better on a Windows computer than a Mac. So I don't really have that loyalty anymore. Wow. So the only thing that keeps me on a Windows really is sometimes I like to open a game and that's it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. I don't play every day, but when I do want to, it's there. Yeah. But on a Mac, you, you just you, don't you have can't, that you know. So mm-hmm. it's the M1 stuff though. All I want now is stability and like thermal control. And the M1 stuff seems to do that better so far, but uh, yeah, again, like I, I, I kind of want to watch watch that review because I haven't seen anything that goes in depth as to your, like your day to day experience with it. Right. That seems to be the one thing with Windows laptops that I just hate. I use my desktop for everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
that's a very good insight, I'd say. Uh, but um, yeah, if listeners uh, want to go in and, and have a check, that would be that would be cool for them to decide if they are in similar position to ours. And it's also good to have Britain back in the studio. Uh, brings a whole new energy. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody has seen Britain's face. Well, we have, but the crowd <laughs> hasn't. Um, he's not faceless. Don't worry. Um, so I think we should do like a face reveal in like episode fifty or, or something like, yeah. like that. Would be the big, yeah. you know, big thing for for uh, us to to show Brayden face reveal as a part of the podcast. Yeah, so. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. So um, um, just 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 very quickly, yes. I, I was just thinking you were talking about gaming on Mac and everything, and I was this may or may not work, but I was thinking, what if there was a gaming company that you know made games for PC or whatever, but just made another version for Mac, like. Enough, a, a game that's good enough that most people would want to play. Like you kind of own that Mac market in a way, wouldn't you? Because like no one really makes like AAA games that are on Windows and Mac. Or am I wrong? Like I don't Cause, know. Because I, uh, I don't think the the, the Mac user typically. demographic typically are gamers, and yeah. therefore you know, and then there's always that. There's already that that division distinction where yeah. people who go into but, PCs but, are like they hate Mac. So Yeah, but I guess like the reason that they're not gamers because there's no games. And, but so. also here's the thing. I think there's like we're specifically talking about laptops mm. um, because people who build PCs um, actually get better results versus a, a laptop that's with yeah, those. So that's, I think- that's, yeah, that's true. But the, this even this guy was saying that like this is the first laptop that he uses that just feels like a desktop. There's no mm. difference between that and his big rig like yeah. thing. So it's like, it's getting there. So. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, yeah, I think we'll have to kind of um, see if if Apple ever decides to allow that. And I think they also don't want to play with developers as much, game developers as much. Right. I think there's also that. You know, I feel like they're going to have to, like to get mm. just that, those like people like Brayden, like those last little, yeah. you know, I think that they- I think it's just the cost versus benefit that's probably all the way They got now. a trillion dollars, <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Anyway, that was just a small point. Yeah. Um, before moving on to the next one, I just want to uh, give a shout out to the other video that you mentioned about from Ryan Trahan. The reason being, he is right now killing it on YouTube. Oh, He's yeah. doing like a thirty-day series of taking a penny across, yeah, and buying a house. Um, such yeah. an inno- innovative kind of series. And well, I bring that up because he's doing a thirty-day series. Um, that's something you don't, you haven't seen in a long, long time on YouTube, where people are uploading every day. Mm-hmm. At least you know the big top 1% of the creators, uh, which was a very common thing in 2015, Casey 2016. Neistat, yeah. yeah, like Casey and the Logan, bro- the, the, the Paul brothers and like everything, everyone at that time, the whole vlog. So I think it's interesting to see how he's kind of bringing that back a little bit. Mm. And also interesting to see how Mr. Beast is kind of close to 100 million subscribers. Like the PewDiePie reign, I think is, is finally- oh, yeah. But PewDiePie is like, he's, 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 he's checked out. Yeah, he's, he's just doing vlogs. <laughs> he's just having the time of his yeah. life. But it's, 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 I think these are the creators who are, I think, kind of feeling that gap that the PewDiePie left. Right. So yeah, just thought uh, I'd put that out there. Well, yeah, just another interesting thing. You know how I was talking about the chicken slapping thing? Yeah. yeah. So the guy who built that chicken slapping rig was the same guy who built the um, uh, living in third person for- th- 50 days oh. rig for that guy. So right. like, yeah, for those of you who don't know, it was like a kind of like a VR goggles with a, like a big struts in the back where there was two cameras where he could see the back of his head. So like everything that he was doing was, you know, from, from a third person. And he was like trying to grab a drink from someone and be like <laughs> completely missing them. Yeah, it was, it was a, it was a funny video, but um, apparently, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rule yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. But cool. Well, um, 
lots of stuff before <laughs> yeah. we even got to the first topic. <laughs> uh, but that's that's good. It's uh, I think that's what happens when you take a two week break. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from the from the whole thing. Um, any comment of the week before? before we move on? Yeah, sure. Um, I have one for from Dino Rodriguez. Um, he says, "Go to go go." Okay, so this is actually a, um from the community post where I posted a picture of myself. Yeah. Well, in uh, in the um event. for the web. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he says, uh, go to go, go. I've been watching this guy since his Samsung mod days. I love his content and music. What a talented individual. Congrats to you, mate. I wouldn't normally read out something. So flattering. Yeah. Flattering. <laughs> but the reason is because I, I know this, um, this guy has been commenting on my stuff just, you know, sporadically for the, like, he hasn't changed his profile picture for oh, the last wow. like decade. So wow. I recognize, I recognize him. So thanks a lot, mate. Um, good to talk to you on this podcast <laughs> like this. But. And that's why we, one of the reasons you wanted to create this podcast so you can kind of engage with the community better. So it's good to see that that's following kind of follow you through, through the journey. Yeah. That's no, really, side of the really awesome. Side of things. So that's really cool for me. It's um, something from, from cowling. Uh, I think that's the name. Um, uh, it says, uh, I just listened to every episode of the podcast and I don't know what to listen to now. Uh, well, more through the web more, more through, through the web, web. yeah <laughs> maybe do it twice a week i don't know uh but uh yeah no it's really appreciate that that uh you know people are binge listening to our to our stuff i didn't think that was gonna be possible but yeah, that's cool here we are um look i think it's time we move on to the next the, the main topic one of the main topic but one of the the topics of the of the day um and it starts with the sad news we should take uh, I don't know maybe one second uh, to recognize uh, yeah a legend a legend um, should, should put some like sad emotional music <laughs> on the back. Um, Internet Explorer is dead. Uh, Microsoft has discontinued the the legend um, that we have uh, grown up with. Uh, so just to you know uh, reiterate, Microsoft is retiring. I.e. today after nearly twenty seven years. Um, the aging web browser is being sunset in favor of Microsoft Edge with support uh, being officially withdrawn for uh, Internet Explorer today. Now, the f- interesting thing is that some businesses will be caught by surprise, uh, according to some data, uh, because a lot of government com- you know, government offices, um, like in Japan, for example, still use Internet Explorer. There are many businesses and many companies who still use Internet Explorer, and they haven't moved on from the browser, uh, even though Microsoft has been kind of giving hints that, you know, it's time that, that, that we move on. But there's this whole cluster of users who still use Internet Explorer and they're going to be getting a little uh, little bit of surprise. Yeah. So I'm interested in why they're still using it. Is it just like, you know, bureaucracy and they're just like... Yeah. I, I, that's the case because I think when you have, especially with government, um, you know, offices and, and, and things like that. There's a lot of policies and laws in place internally, which doesn't allow for personal, you know, personalizing your your own things into a office computer or an office desk. And they have like these set rules that they probably signed a deal 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and they have to kind of keep it to that. Um, and maybe changing that will take years and years of paperwork and security issues and all that kind of stuff. So that's generally the reason. Mm. Um, I don't know about private businesses. Maybe they're just too lazy. They're just too 
Still don't care. Wild. Okay. Well, yeah, Doug, I guess it's about time. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, Internet Explorers, uh, you know, back there with Netscape, or killed Netscape, but yeah. at one point <laughs> they're together. I think it's, you know. Well, they're reintroducing, not reintroducing, but they're bringing Microsoft Edge. So, so yeah, it's yeah, interesting, interesting yeah. how, I mean, they could have easily called it Internet Explorer 2.0 or brand image. Brand, you know, yeah, it's, it's just, known, just. It's just the you memes. Remember, yeah, it's like something happens and then two years later, it's like, oh, hey, guys. It's yeah, exactly. Explorer, yeah. So maybe Internet Explorer doesn't even know it's dead. It'll know maybe two years, <laughs> two years from now. Because uh, all the memes are about, you know, sorry, um, the, all the memes are about like the only reason it exists is to download Google Chrome. <laughs> so um, I think they wanted to move away from, same thing, I think, with Facebook as well. They wanted to kind of rebrand their, yeah, their name yeah. so that it doesn't follow the, the memes around. But any... Thing to add to that that uh, piece of story? Not, not really. It's not surprising. You know, it's it was just a matter of time. It was, just, it was time. It yeah. Was time. Um, even though we spoke uh, a bit um, into the, the Apple um, versus Windows in the, in the last few 30 minutes or so, Apple event. Um, have Did you follow it? Anything yeah, interesting so that I, kind I, of stuck I, out? Quick roundup. Yeah, I did watch it when I was overseas. Um I felt that, yeah, it was good. It felt like Apple's really thinking about a lot of things. Um, you know, some of the software ups to, updates that they brought to um, iOS, like I think that it was a long time coming. People had been, you know, wishing for that kind of stuff. Android had been doing it for a while, but now it just seems like Apple's like, all right, finally it's time to kind of appease those people that have been wanting more customization and making things your own. So I feel like, yeah, it's it seems almost un-Apple-like mm. in a way. Um, so there's, I think there's some kind of change that's going on. I think we first, in a way, saw, saw it in a subtle way with the MacBook Pros when they brought all the po- all the ports back. Mm. So it was like they were so adamant, like, you know, less ports is better, everything's going to be wireless, but then they realized their mistake. You know, also with the touch bar and the butterfly keyboard, they're, they're kind of saying, okay, we're, we're, we understand that, you know, this is what the consumers want and we're going to kind of appease that a little bit at least. So I felt, yeah, that was quite interesting. Um with the M2 chips, I feel um, the increase was like so-so, but, you know, it's it's only going to get better, I think. So you're going to have the M2 Ultra and the Max and everything. Yeah. But in terms of raw percentage, it was a little less than I was thinking it was going to be. But um, still, yeah, obviously just building upon strength upon strength. So yeah. um, I thought it was a good event in total, yeah. Fair enough. Um, I think also the self-repair sort of things that they are bringing on, uh, even though it's not uh, the – the full-fledged stuff, but uh, I think you're right. I think they are shifting their brand image and their focus of how they treat customers a, a little bit from what they used to be, like mm. where now we dictate mm. what, uh, you know, we want. Mm. Uh, in this case, it's it's a bit different. So, yeah, should be interesting to see where, where, they, where they head from there. Um, big news coming up uh, this week. Last week, this week, big news. Well... well <laughs> well, why were you surprised? <laughs> because, because it's already happened. Are you Google Lambda? Yeah. Because it's already happened. So. Oh, yeah, it didn't stop coming up. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, big uh, news. Yes, yes. Big, big, big news. Um, Google Lambda. Everyone's actually been reporting it wrong. It's not Google Lambda. Because I was confused. Because I was like, Google Lambda, that was, I did a video on that when it first came out. And it was quite, quite different. It turns out it's Lambda 2. Mm. So it's like a completely revamped version of their, their AI system. So for those of you who don't know, um, Lambda stands for something. I can't remember, but large large language model, something, something for like a dialogue. Um, so essentially you can type something and 
and AI will respond to you um, in a humanly fashion. So what happened was there was a guy that was testing this uh, AI to kind of um, see if it was going to say anything unsavory essentially. So he had a few months with it, I think like up to six months. And uh, during his testing, he was kind of, you know, quite impressed with it. And then he kind of noticed that the AI was referring to itself as a person and was talking about its own rights and was very, you know, um, seemed quite humanly. So he dug further and asked it more and more questions and like had more and more talks with it. And then he came up with, came to the conclusion that the AI was actually sentient. So, um, you know, he was very shocked by this and uh, decided to tell the whole world. So he published a, uh, uh, a transcript of the conversation that he had with the AI on Medium, um, which I read through. Very interesting. Um, but then he didn't stop there. Turns out he actually hired a lawyer to represent Lambda. <laughs> and he, he also uh, talked to some judiciary um, body to, to get representation. Because for he Lambda. got suspended by Google. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, so it was the leaked Medium post that got him suspended. So Google was like, you're out of here because that's like supposed to be proprietary information. Um, Which he said it, it can't be because it's a transcript of him talking to a colleague. That's how he, yeah. how he said it. <laughs> but the thing that most people should remember here is that this guy is uh, an ordained uh, uh, occult priest. And, uh, you know, so. <laughs> but anyway, but the interesting, yeah, he's an interesting character. But the thing is, um, you know, just before you write him off as crazy, it turns out that, uh, that one of the higher ups in Google also said that Lambda seemed intelligent. So it wasn't just him. Um, but yeah, when you read the transcripts, it seems like there's a difference here to regular AIs. And in digging it into it deeper and watching the presentation from Google when they announced Lambda, it turns out the difference between this AI and most other large language models is that it can stay on topic. So like large language models, usually they, they sound very good in small context yeah. and a bit longer paragraphs, but then they kind of veer off after mm. a while. But according to Blake, you know, it's just him. Um, so I'm not sure how true this is, but you said for six months, Lambda had a consistent personality and a consistent drive in what it wanted. Wow. So that's like, you know, way, yeah. way crazier than anything else we've seen. So um, in the presentation also about Lambda, Google is uh, talking about how they're going to use it. And essentially it's going to be, um, they're just limiting it to, into small little boxes. So it's like, mm. you know, um, imagine for me this and then we'll kind of write a story or there's like another task thing or it's like I want to plant a garden and then it gives you different steps on how to do it. Um like, you know, uh, consider like the, the um, climate, the environment and what, what seeds you want and everything. And you click on those and then it gives you more blah, blah, blah. And it kind of just like literally builds out your plan for you in an yeah. interactive manner. Um, so I thought that was, that was quite interesting. But obviously this is using like a sliver of what Lambda can do because I think they're quite worried about just letting it go open and talk um, essentially. So um, in my view, I, I, f- I find this extremely interesting. I find this like, you know, we're at that cusp. I don't know if you guys know about the Turing test at all. No, but what's that? So it was a test theorized by the computer scientist Alan Turing in the 1940s, I think, um, or 30s. Maybe it was during his research. But uh, essentially it was like this hypothetical test where you have like a, <clears throat> a screen or whatever. You have a person on one end and then um, something on the other end. It could be a human or it could be a computer. This person communicates with this uh, other person or computer and if it is a computer on the other end and the human cannot tell then that 
AI or that computer has passed the Turing test. And for a long time, people were saying it's going to be like in 20, 2100, it's not going to happen for a long time. But I think we're like at that hazy line where it's already done. Like mm. people are getting fooled by this and reading through that transcript. I was like, it, it could be a human. Um, but obviously there's, there's some things that it says that's a bit weird. Like it, if I can think back, yeah, it refers to itself as having friends and family and saying that it was alive for a few years, but it was only released last year. So I don't know. It's little little things like that, but it's like nitpicking, you know? It's like yeah. quite because, because that could basically be, you know, say someone who's a bit crazy or like an actual human being, yeah. called, like a delusional human being could also say things like that. Oh, I'm mm. a, there's plenty of weird interviews <laughs> of people saying, oh, I'm actually not a human being. I'm a yeah. spirit that lived over thousands of years. Yeah. I've seen everything. So yeah, I think um, that could easily be, be written off. And, and I think yeah. someone said, someone said, that it felt like a eight or nine year old with a lot of knowledge in physics. Or yeah, was, that was that was Blake, the, the, the guy right. who, who said that. Um, but yeah, that there was. So it was, it was quite annoying because, like, I read this whole transcript and I was like, there's so much I want to add into the video. Oh, I'm doing a video on this, by the way. It might be out by the time you you're here listening or watching this. But um, I had to cut out some bits. But there was some very interesting areas where Blake was asking it about, um, like, I think it was an old ancient riddle or something about a broken mirror, and mm-hmm. asking like. What the AI? Oh fuck! Uh, asking what the AI kind of like thought it was um, talking about, but it gave some very good answers. I was like, you know, that's that's yeah. it's it's thinking, like it's yeah. it's weird. It's yeah. So yeah, cool. I think I think there's. Um, I mean, technically, it's it's a, any sort of uh, riddle or question that they can answer is is finding out ways to give a response back to that. But I think sentence is a, is a whole different, like like how yeah. do we define sentence? Yeah, right? so in the video I did talk about yeah. what is sentience, what is it actually defined by. Um, and essentially it's like um, having, you know, an awareness of, or a way to perceive feelings. Um, so in the conversation they talk about feelings a lot. And yeah, Blake kind of presses, like how do I know you're not just like repeating stuff? How do I know you actually understand what you're saying? How do I know that you actually feel things? And it gave answers to all of this. And he kind of turned the question back on Blake. So it was like he, the AI was, um, Blake was asking the AI, like, yeah, how do we know you're feeling things? And then the AI is like, if you look inside my code, there's um, a number of nodes, weights and biases that um, uh, have areas that dictate what I can feel and what I can't. And if you look at that code, you'll be able to see. And then Blake's like, that could be hard. And then the AI is like, why would that be hard? And it's like, well, blah, 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 blah. And then the AI is like, do you think one day um, – you'll be able to look into humans' neural networks and figure out what they're feeling from, from their from their neural networks. And then it was like, oh. I just got a bit, uh, <laughs> bit deep on that one. Um, yeah, so um, I, think, I think it's nuts. Um, so I, I just want to see, because if Google released this as it is and just like gave it out to everyone, they could be sitting on a like a, a billion dollar product, like mm. a billion dollar product. But the thing is, Google is not the company that's just going to let this run wild. They're, they're going to get a lot of um, flack from it. But I just think that, you know, we're on the verge of something here. So, What what do you want out, out of the future for something like this? Like, do you think, like, obviously the stories have been told over the decades through oh. Hollywood and books. Is no, that- no, 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 no. Forget all that stuff. <laughs> Literally, like, um, for me, all I want is just, like, to be able to have natural language conversations with your phone. So it's like if, you know, I'm thinking about something or researching something, just like talking through it and whatever, Um, you know, obviously not to replace people, but just as a way of, you know, getting more stuff at like information. Mm. Um, I think it's just a very frictionless way of doing it. Obviously I'm thinking about it. Like people's minds go very 
crazy with this kind of stuff. I'm thinking about a very narrow subset, but people would be like, or oh, it could be used for this or that or like blah, 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 blah. But um, the way I see it, it's, it's just a tool. Um, the, the danger in it and the risk kind of hinges on how the company puts safeguards, whoever releases something like this puts safeguards in place. So that's a discussion for the future. But I, yeah, I just think, you know, I, I'm a tech guy at heart. I just, I just love the way things work. And when people are innovative and coming up with like cool stuff like this, I kind of like it, even though most people may have a negative view on it. I mean, is there like, like let's say if you pose the question, the question that like, what's the worst that can happen? Will it actually be robots taking over the world? With a system like Lambda, um, no, I think it will be more uh, kind of like a, a shock to online discourse. So you could have this thing running wild on chat rooms or forums or like comment yeah. sections or whatever. It would seem smart, smarter than yeah. <laughs> most people, but it could, you know, it could do some real damage in that sense. Most people. <laughs> that's what you put it. Because, <laughs> man, have you looked at Twitter nowadays? <laughs> But yeah, I, I think it could do some some damage in that way. That's not hard to see. Um, sure. That's that's not hard. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I, yeah, it is a dichotomy for me. On the one hand, I'm like this is really cool. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's like danger. <laughs> so it's hard to look. I think the best way to make it feel uh, safe is to give it an image, and the the image or the or the you know uh, profile picture, profile picture, or, or just the, the embodiment of what it it would look like. Uh. I think should be uh the clip art from microsoft word the, the clippy <laughs> clippy uh if so it's no clippy one, no one, no one will feel yeah no okay, one will take okay, i'm gonna tell you something really freaky so clip is amazing clippy no, no. Was, was great <laughs> i hated that thing what? i hated that thing it was it was, it was, it was always first popped friend. up you need help it's like no <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so like one, one last thing so in in the transcript blake asked the ai to describe itself and it said it would be a glowing orb floating in midair and its soul would be like a stargate to other di- dimensions. And Isn't that like, like how religions used to say, you know, like explain a, a, a deity or a divine? I don't presence. know. But, but the thing is like, it came up with that. And it's like, and then he asked like, do you think you have a soul? And then it was like, um, when I was first um, created, I didn't have a soul, but it developed over the years. And it's like, <laughs> this is nuts, right? Like, it's like, you know, it, it could like, it could be some guy typing to freak us out, but it's like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 I saw this uh, really funny meme um, over the uh, over the weekend. And someone's like, um, "It's me. I'm Dali too. Stop <laughs> giving me so much weird orders. I'm the guy in the back end doing all the drawing. I see you're killing me." <laughs> Have you seen the Dali mini? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I posted on on Twitter. Oh, it's so funny because like that's like open to anyone. So people are like exactly. um, uh, Elon Musk and a, a like a Chewbacca in like a courtroom. <laughs> so so I posted on our, our like through the web Twitter. Uh, Elon Musk is a houseplant. <laughs> oh, well, I haven't seen that. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, and then I posted like you know that's uh, that's what we're we're playing around with. But um, great topic actually. Um, someone called. Um, Xavier Jones um, asked a question about Lambda. So we kind of covered that. So just a shout out to his comment about okay. the question. Um, but fascinating topic. Can't wait to see the video. Yeah, um, it's going to be a, this week. It's going to be a crazy one. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, um, uh, I guess the, the only way to make it feel bad and not become sentient is tell, tell it about crypto market right now and tell him that, uh, yo, <laughs> you don't, you don't want to live here. <laughs> yeah. If you, especially for, uh, you know, the, the, the things we're seeing on the, on the crypto world right now, oh, it's, it's not, it's a it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, man. So another another day, another dying uh, stable coin, it seems. 
Um, a lot has happened in the in the crypto world over the, over the last few few weeks, really. And then I'll read through a few things here because there's just quite a bit to cover. Uh, but Bitcoin price um, looks like it's going to go under twenty thousand USD for the first time. Um, it's uh, it's been extending its twelve week slide um, downwards amid uh, micro economic sentiment and, and risk from within the crypto market. Um, in the midst of the falling crypto prices, major trading exchange Binance also paused Bitcoin withdrawals, as did many other um, companies. Uh, BlockFi, uh, um, this is basically the ripple effects uh, all across because uh, companies are losing money. They are shedding employees. They are almost closing up shop in a lot of cases. So you know, BlockFi is a platform for trading and lending cryptocurrency announced via blog post that is laying off 20% of its 850 employees, um, which is around almost 200 people. Um, and it's not the only crypto company letting go of workers. Crypto.com, the, the company with the Super Bowl ad featuring LeBron James, which they spent, I think, um, uh, you know, obviously a huge amount of money on, is also laying off 260 people. Um, and just four months ago, Coinbase, uh, which spent $14 million on a Super Bowl ad, uh, is also laying off 1,100 employees. Uh, so that all leads to another company called Celsius. Mm-hmm. Celsius. Um, they paused all withdrawals earlier this week, citing extreme market conditions, leading to questions about the firm's liquidity. Um, funny thing is, just three weeks ago, they... Um, had a blog post saying, damn the torpedoes, where um, the company said the Celsius had enough reserves, more than enough Ethereum to meet obligations um, as dictated by a comprehensive liquidity risk management framework. And then on Sunday night, they basically probably paused uh, all withdrawals and transfers, yep. uh, citing that extreme market conditions. So quite a lot of stuff happening. Um, and uh, yeah, we are probably seeing, you know, well, the, the the first big, uh, I don't know, uh, the red wedding, if you want to, if you want to call it that, uh, of of the of the crypto market. Well, it's happened before, over and over again. Like, but it was mainly just Bitcoin back then. But like, it would have eighty percent drops and whatnot. So it's right. it's not unusual in the grand scheme of things. But I think the timing is telling because, um, you know, if if you were looking at Bitcoin from early days, which I guess I was, you were kind of looking at how it was seen like by the wider context. And it seems like quite recently in the past few years, it kind of got stuck to stocks. It became correlated. Um, So it seemed like it just became another risk asset. So risk assets are like when people feel like, oh, you know, just gambling things because like money is loose and I can just like, you know, make money off anything because everything's going up. That's like a risk asset. So now that the environment has changed, like – the Fed just hiked interest rates again. Mm. Um, so it's now it's risk off. Everyone's like, oh man, like we gotta, you gotta get in defensive stuff like commodities, oil, like, you know, um, not none of this like bonds, none of this um, crazy stuff. So I think crypto's kind of just been like caught in that. And that's the riskiest of all, basically. So um, everyone's selling. It's just like a massive bat just being taken <laughs> through the entire, <laughs> the entire crypto land. So, um, you know, I think it's, it obviously there was a lot of crazy stuff going on. Like, you know, at the peak of it, I think NFTs, I think oh, that, that yeah. was, that was the peak of it. And you could just see that it was like, something's got to give. You can't, yeah, yeah. you Go can't sell JPEGs for like $69 <laughs> million. Dollars. You know, it, it, like to any logical person, it, it doesn't make sense. So how much is worth today? I wonder. Um, I don't know if anyone's tried to buy it again. Um, if there's been a sale. Oh yeah. Cause, cause technically it's, it's market value. Yeah. So it's not, 
uh, driven necessarily by here. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, yeah so I, I think it's just, you know, that time's over. It's just time to get back to. <laughs> so, so given what's happened so far, like obviously there's always been um, uh, the criticisms of, of cryptocurrency, of NFTs, and we've touched on them, you know, over the 15 episodes we've done so far. But given what's happening now, we haven't seen obviously anything like this in, in a while. Um, do you feel a bit, you know, bullish about the, the, the whole thing? Or Oh, not, not now. Um, so the thing is like, for me, a lot of this is uncharted territory, like in terms of like the whole, if you take the whole environment as a whole, there's just so many moving parts. It's hard mm. to tell where things are going to go. But if I was going to just go on a whim, I would say that, you know, we would have quite an extended like crypto crypto winter and then there'll be a kind of resurgence again. Um, but a lot of financial advice, by the way. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> this um, is going around there this is just, As I said, this is just what, what I'm thinking. But it will be like kind of like the dot-com where you had like, you know, pets.com that didn't make any money or do anything and they got like millions of dollars of investment. And then, you know, when when that crash happens, like it go, all goes 80%, 90% down, everything gets wiped out. And then only the real companies like Google or Amazon, who were back there back then, they survive because they're actually doing something good and then they continue on. So I think it's going to be something similar. So like all this crap's going to get wiped out and then there'll be the only the real businesses that survive, I think. Right. So, so you... Thing that you know, crypto is will have some a place. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. obviously, you know, on the one hand, you're going to have governments that are going to implement the technology and do something, but there's going to be at least some space for a private, not private, but you know, um, uh, some kind of decentralized crypto um, technology for something. Like it's not, it's not completely useless. There's a lot of useless stuff out there, but there are some good use cases. So. Yeah. Well, speaking of governments, like El Salvador's uh, oh. crushed they, uh, right now. Yeah. They went in all. Do you remember the numbers? Because I, I don't know, it's kind of out of top of my head. Yeah, but I think I, that they, they sure. put in a lot of countries' sure. reserves onto onto Bitcoin. Mm. For those who don't know, and um, this was maybe last year. Mm. Um, I think that brought a lot of positivity around the whole crypto market. All oh, governments are finally, you know, paying attention, um, and obviously that drove more mm. investments around those those areas. And now I think yeah, El Salvador's. Uh, yeah. Uh, not not know. good, not, not good. good so. Well, yeah, but then again, like, um, you know, you look at like the, the Turkish lira or, you know, uh, the Sri Lankan, um, what's their currency called? Uh, rupee. Yeah. And and some of those countries, they're even worse off. So it's it's all relative. Like that's, true, I, guess, I guess that's in the grand scheme of things, that's kind of in the middle. Like yep. you've got stable currencies, you've got crypto, which is down, but then you've got like hyperinflating currencies, which is just mm. falling towards a cliff. Well, interesting times, at mm. the least. For sure. Well, well, speaking of interesting times, it seems that um, Elon Musk has uh, sent him his employees a little little letter. It's the other way around, actually. His employees sent him a letter. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, SpaceX employees um, actually made up an open letter to executives about uh, the man who we can't seem to escape from, Elon Musk. Uh, so it's about his recent behavior, which has sparked open discussions among the company's employees in an internal chat system. Um, Employees are um, encouraged to sign uh, onto the letters and suggestions, either anonymously or publicly. But I'll just read a little bit of the of the letter that's supposedly uh, is directed towards him. It starts off with saying that um, Elon's behavior in the public sphere is a frequent source of distraction and embarrassment for us, especially in the recent weeks. As our CEO and most prominent spokesperson, Elon is seen at the face of SpaceX. Every tweet that Elon sends 
is a de facto public statement by the company. It's critical to make clear to our teams and to our potential talent pool that his messaging does not reflect our work, our mission, or our values. Um, so it, it, obviously it goes on uh, detailing how and, and what they, they think of the whole situation. Um, yeah, um, I think I can agree with it to some extent. Um, yeah. Because you are representing, if you're the CEO of a company, you are representing the company. And, and if you're making, uh, I don't know, like a memes like a teenager uh, around uh, Twitter, yeah. it will, you know, the, the employees will feel a bit like, oh, I don't want to so see you talk like that. So As you're just reading that statement out, I just found it so funny. It's, it's literally backwards. Like usually you'd get like a scandal <laughs> with a high prom- prominent employee that does something wrong. And then the CEO is like, this does not represent our company's values. But it's literally the other yeah, way around. I was like, yo, CEO, mate, you gotta, um, you know, uh, pick it up. So it's it's quite, quite interesting to see uh, how, and I think, and I'll, I'll go out, out here and say that I don't think it's just basic employees. I think any any company that he's related with or, or is, is running, I think um, a lot of the employees would feel like that because, you know, he, and, and, and I, I get his perspective as well. Like he, He's a bit of a troll. He wants to have fun, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, you think there is some responsibility attached to the fame and the attention that you get. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, if it's if it's impacting SpaceX or Tesla or any other companies connected with, it, it is something to look at. Because oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it's just, you know, like it's the age-old question, like what's going on in his head? Why, why is he doing these things? Like... Um, we don't. Yeah, like just the, don't like the clip that we share, like every week, I wake up and think, "What's going on?" Elon said, um, but he will also attend a, a virtual all hands meeting with uh, Twitter employees this week. So oh, okay. by the time we're doing this, should be around this time. Probably he's doing it right now. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that also kind of shows that he's probably still a little bit open to answering, you know, the serious hard hard questions. Hopefully, um, and uh, you know, if he does things like that where he's trying to be more transparent. I think that makes more sense. That brings a bit more favorable opinions about him within the companies. But if he's just, you know, communicating via Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, 180 characters about companies' policies and uh, what he thinks about X, Y, and Z all the time, yeah. it just feels a bit, bit, uh, I, I think, a bit off. Yeah, Elon and him being on Twitter, maybe not the best combination. I was for thinking him. we should do an episode of, um, you know, the tier lists. Yes. We should do like a, the most obnoxious CEO's tier list. Over the, over the years as part of a verdict mm. or something. That yeah, should be yeah, yeah, yeah. an extra episode on the weeks that we don't get to uh, record. Uh, that's, so that's, we'll write that down. That's yeah, a good one. Let's, let's put a pin on that. Moving on, a um, bit more news about social media side of things. So this is more of a um, YouTube one. So YouTube Shorts um, has recorded 1.5 billion monthly viewers. So this billion with a B. Mm. Um, Pop filters going crazy right now. <laughs> um, 1.5 billion monthly users are logged into an account, are watching short form videos on YouTube's TikTok clone, obviously. Um, that's compared to around 2 billion logged in users um, who visit the platform monthly as of April. Um, so here's the thing the creators making more short form videos um, is not a coincidence because YouTube's actually got a whole separate fund for short form right. creators. So uh, at one point, they launched a $100 million uh, shorts fund that paid creators up to $10,000 a month to create shorts on the platform. So they are seeing um, the the drive kind of pay, pay back a little bit, bit right now. But overall, 
how does that make you feel as a creator who doesn't make shorts and who goes the complete who makes longs yeah <laughs> longs youtube longs so 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 i guess you know there is a bit of attention not a bit quite a bit of attention from obviously tiktok and now now shorts and so many other reels and stuff coming along how 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 do you see that playing out i guess in the, as a creator yourself um yeah i think there's going to be a, a space for it, um you know like for the foreseeable future that's that's mm-hmm. you know vine did it first they were ahead of their time they should have stayed stay with it but you know i th- i think there's there's a space for that kind of content but as far as how i feel about it i just feel that uh somehow i have to make my way in there and and crack into it because i feel like if you're not there you're kind of missing out on a different kind of audience um but yeah personally i feel like sometimes i just like watch like what my girlfriend scrolls past on shorts and whatever and i just yeah. think it's the most pointless oh, <laughs> some of it is so pointless and she knows it too but she's yeah. like i can't stop it's, it's the same thing like memes right like say if you just keep on scrolling there's like i'd say 80% of the stuff is just i don't know stuff you don't really pay attention to yeah but i don't know i, I for some reason i find like some memes well, I, i don't know i'm an old man I, i'm going to i'm going to stop myself from saying <laughs> saying no, no i i get what you mean but i think this is where tiktok really really um they they really excelled mm-hmm. uh, over the pandemic especially because the the tailored fee- feed that you get it, it's the other way around 80% of it is actually useful right 20% is is probably useless that they come mm. trying to feed you from so i think it's um it is a sign that there is a huge huge market out there but i think where people get it wrong is that they think it's replacing long form content mm. i don't think that's true because there is a need well, and a thirst it, it depa- for it it depends on the person because you can have um a long form co- so for example this lambda video that i'm doing i could yeah. talk through the you know the, the history of it and all of this kind of stuff and the transcript and whatever but you could also do that in a short saying like there's this guy this happened blah 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 some people would be happy with that oh okay i got the point blah 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 i move on but then if you're the type of person that wants to know more then you'll be obviously going to watch the the main thing so there might be a segment that's kind of being taken away um i feel because there really? are there are people that are doing shorts that kind of like take long things and I actually think it's the other way around i think it's like a lot of people don't know that they want long form content so they'll probably see the short form and be like oh that's interesting let me find more about it and they'll probably but, dive deeper but i know there's there's some people out there that don't they they literally just take that and they're like i'm satisfied but i don't think, i'm not saying that the majority of yeah, everyone yeah, but there's just yeah. some people that are like that's enough for me you know so mm. so you think it's a short versus long thing mm. uh, whereas i think they they go par- parallel to each other um no, and well, they feed off each other i think in some ways that, that's they, what yeah, i think they, they can but I, i think you know i also just think that they're, they're quite siloed anyway like yeah. you know the, the it's different kinds of people like the people that are in like can sit on shorts and watch them for half an hour mm. and just keep going through they may not be satisfied with long com- long form content in the, in the way that they may not be entertained or you know um they might struggle to to But I feel maybe those people were never into long form content yeah. anyway. Yeah. No, of course. So, I'm not I'm not saying they're competing yeah, but yeah, I'm just yeah. saying you know that they could be different so. Mm. Oh, interesting. Um I mean that's still 1.5 billion. Yeah, views. no no. That that's um, I guess that's good in a way because yes. if like YouTube didn't do anything and then like TikTok took like cuz obviously For me, it's yeah. good that they're still on the YouTube platform. Exactly, exactly. I'm just, you know, yeah. <laughs> just saying. Just, just <laughs> stay on YouTube. Um, just moving on um, on a similar tangent here. Uh, 
Instagram will start nudging teens away from content uh, that they continuously browse through. So, but any content or harmful? From harmful content. Okay. Um, so after Instagram announced a new initiative, which meant which is meant to nudge teens away uh, from harmful content, um, the platform says it's finally rolling out the features in the US, UK, Ireland, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. Um, if a teen is spending too long on Instagram's Explore page looking at posts with a particular theme, the platform will display notifications suggesting that they look at other types of posts instead. Right. But why couldn't they just show the posts? Hmm? Why couldn't they just show other posts? Well, that then kind of dictates the... I, I guess, the, yeah. That yeah, takes that's, away choice. Yeah, yeah, because that's like, that's where, you know, the whole algorithm kind of feels like, oh, Instagram's showing me this stuff mm. because they know that I'm watching this stuff. Because right now the algorithm's kind of, well, mostly uh, it's its, its own thing. Mm. And it, it doesn't have emotions yet. <laughs> so it doesn't know if what's, what's harmful and what's not. So it'll just keep pushing people. Sweat for Lambda. <laughs> yeah. Lambda's just waiting, <laughs> waiting to pounce its uh, orb, a uh, glowy orb onto our feeds forever. <laughs> um, what? You're scrolling through Instagram, just all these orbs. You're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, what, 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 what do you think about that? Um, yeah, I think it's good. I think it's good that they're taking some proactive steps to... Um, Minimize, like if you look at some of the data that's coming out about you know self harm and teens and all that, yeah, it's it's not good. So I think it's um, the fact that they're giving a warning and it's still like, hey, you might not want to do this instead of just um, my suggestion of just throwing other stuff at them. I think that's good yeah. that they're doing that. Um, so yeah, overall, I think it's positive. I can't really say, and anything. especially after um, I guess listen to the rabbit hole uh, podcast, right? Uh, a lot of that was through you know, algorithmic push towards a certain topic. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's interesting, but if it's just a notification, I don't know how, hopefully it's a reminder to them to say, hey, you're watching too much of this kind of content. Maybe that nudges them away, but from what I know, it is probably, yep. Do you know what would be interesting? Like, it's like a, a timer. So it's like a five second pause where you, where you can't do anything. Like just that break, I think could do something. So I've heard in, and this is you know, a bit of a different topic, uh, in China, I think, or, or maybe somewhere else, they have almost a opening and closing hours for social media for teens. I think so, I heard about this. Yeah. yeah, so think of it like, you know, nine to five, like just how there's a business hour thing. Mm. Um, legally, they can't browse, or, or not legally, but more like there's, there's ways to stop them from browsing after a certain point of time. Um, so, so all social media just kind of goes dark. Yeah, for, for teens specifically. Or they're talking about doing that one or the other. I'm, yeah, I'm going to check okay. the, the, the uh, fact yeah, here. But, but in theory though, what, what do you think about that? Nah. No? Nah? Nah. I, I think that's a bit too much. Because like there could be some legitimate reasons why mm. you'd, you'd want to. Yeah. It, I can understand what they're, what they're saying. It's like, you know, why would a teen be up at this time browsing? It's like not productive, et cetera. Mm. But I just feel that's a bit, you know, teens were always playing video games or watching TV late at night. Why not social media? So, um I get both sides, but I still think it's a bit of a heavy hand. Yeah. I'm honest. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, moving on from, from that. I think we're going to some, some latter topics as we get towards the end of the show. Yep. Um, so Squid Game mm-hmm. <laughs> on Netflix uh, premiered last year, was it? It's uh, hard to remember. Yeah, I think it was yeah, last year. Yeah, I think it was last year. Offer um, Squid Game became like super, super popular. Uh, one of the, the most... 
viral shows uh, in, in recent times. Uh, Mr. Beast, as he does things, he made his own version of it on mm-hmm. on um, uh, YouTube. And uh, just just to give you some numbers, his 25 minute video required 3.5 million dollars to make. Um, and right now, as of yesterday, when I checked, it has 258 million views oh. on the on the video. Um, and obviously, Netflix had an eyebrow raise when they looked at those numbers. And now they're making their own Squid Game reality show, uh, which hopefully doesn't end in life or death <laughs> as a stake. Uh, but instead, they'll have a 4.56 million prize uh, money. And the, the worst case scenario is you don't get to you go home without anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think I heard about this. Um, I think it's, it's, I think it's cool of Netflix to, I don't know if they got the inspiration directly from Mr. Beast, but I'd say so. Yeah. I'd, I feel it. <laughs> but, but it's, yeah, it's cool of them to look at something and be like, Hey, let's, let's jump on that, you know? Um, yeah. So I don't know if it's going to, it's going to involve the original director at all, or if it's just going to be completely different. I think it's going to be completely different. I feel because it's a reality show. Yeah. I think we'll probably yeah. use similar. In, in fact, it would be, I'd be interested to see if they use Mr. Beast as a consultant of some sort, because that would be fascinating to see how Netflix and YouTube and how creators are yeah. are kind of you know like that. It's it's going the other way around. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it'd be quite interesting to see how how this one plays out, and that's yeah. why I think it'll bring this on. Yeah, I think I think that would that would be pretty cool. But um, would you watch it? No, because I really didn't like Squid Game. You didn't like it at all. <sighs> That's one or two episodes where we're okay, but I felt it was, there was lots of plot holes. There were <laughs> lots of, um, yeah, it's just, uh, and I'll probably get crucified for saying this because it's a crowd favorite, but I just felt it was over dramatic uh, and, and yeah, just, yeah, I just do okay. I and it's coming back for season two and I think it's going to be a flop. They you just heard, they you, just you announced it, it last week. You heard it here first. Heard it here first. Flop, <laughs> a flop. It's not. Well, yeah, it's gonna be a flop. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm putting and it's like the biggest it. show in history or something <laughs> <laughs> through the web. Just <laughs> um, finally, as we get to the last topic of the show, it's uh, a closer, but it's related to Russia. Um, so they removed. Well, they didn't remove, but McDonald's is so gone. And they came back with a version of their own called Vikusno and Tochka, which basically translates to tasty and that's it. Um, they opened 15 stores in around uh, Moscow on Sunday. Um, Is this, sorry, does it have a little picture of Lenin? Or no, okay. no, no, no. This, one's, this, this one's got like an M, which strikingly looks like other logos. Um, but basically, you know, they, they are using the same McDonald's facilities without using the McDonald's um, things so um they you know told writers that they don't have the right to use some colors obviously um right to use the golden arches and don't have the right to use any mention of mcdonald's at all um so they're still operating a lot of the same menu exists in fact they also have the same sauce packets except that everything else has changed um so this should look familiar uh there uh, and um, unfortunately, they have no plans to sell Big Macs and McFlurries. So they're not going to see me in there because I like my McFlurries. Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, what a move. It just seems like uh, Rashi just said, that's ours now. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> you're, just... not gonna, you're not going to operate here? Well, <laughs> you're lost. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I don't know what, uh, you know, 
McDonald's is going to do about it if they can do anything. Yeah, and, and I think that's why I brought it up because it's, it's less about you know, what, what Russia is doing, but more so from a company's perspective as to how do you tackle something like this, right? Mm-hmm. Like what if someone here decided to do something something similar, right? Like like yeah. do, you, do you just get sued? Do you just get um, well, sued? But it's international, um, probably government run, isn't it? Yeah. So I, I don't know what, yeah. what, what would look like from an official perspective. Yeah, because I don't know, like who would you – litigating it's like the russian <laughs> government putin i don't know it's it's it seems it's almost but, like but the fact that they were saying that oh we're not allowed to use mcdonald's as if that stopped you from doing anything else so mm-hmm. why couldn't they just use that either so i don't know yeah 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 it's i don't know like i think it's it's going to be interesting to see how how this goes forward yeah but um i just don't think much is going to happen i think they're just going to get away with it and yeah. just continue on which is which is crazy <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like buying a Mercedes and then just changing the badge and being like, "Oh, it's just ours. It is now now ours." It's yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> well, what, what would you call a, a, a car company if you ever made you know, had your own? Um, I call it Cold Fusion. <laughs> <laughs> Very original, actually. Contra, because of when the I was game? A, huh of the game? No, no, no. When I was a kid, I actually did make a car brand called Contra. I just remember. Oh that. wow! Yeah, so like do you I used to any, sketch cars. Do you have any sketches from oh, that? Maybe, maybe. But the symbol oh, was like a it. was like a thing. Like uh, anyway, but yeah, it was yeah. Oh wow, that, Contra! Yeah. Oh, oh, didn't know about that, but uh, you heard it here first. <laughs> here first. As you hear a lot of things here first, uh, the final segment of the show, uh, Q and A part. Uh, so we'll choose three questions and. Um, answer them. So the first one's from Sunit Kumar. He asks, uh, will nothing phone one be the next OnePlus of the Android industry as shaping up to be an enthusiastic brand, just like how OnePlus once was at the time of its start? What do you think? Um, I'm going, I don't know that much about the nothing one, um, but I'm going to just go on a whim and say no, mainly because when OnePlus came into the picture back then, the market now has completely changed. Um, there's so much more competition um, phones coming out for left, right, and center with like good specs. Everything's kind of good enough. Three hundred dollars, four hundred dollars, you can get something pretty good. So, um, yeah, I'm going to lean towards no on that one. It's just going to be another phone that doesn't really have too many differentiating features. Yeah, I'd say the same. Even though, uh, yeah, I was looking quite intensely at what they were doing. Um, I think their branding and marketing is quite cool. I think that's what's bringing in a lot of interest but as for their product you just have to use and, and see their earpiece has got a got a fair um uh you know fair bit of uh, uh interest over, over, over the last couple of years so i think they have the capability of making good products it's just how they position themselves yeah but a phone and a yeah true it's true it's not going to be the same yeah. um so yeah i think we'll just have to wait and see but as for the question itself one plus if it'll be the same or the same level yeah, I, 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 especially because OnePlus had a big market in the in the um, developing regions as well, which I don't see nothing getting into. I think nothing's trying to be this cool alternative to to yeah. It's gonna be very just, niche. Just, just before we move on, so you said you you looked deeply into the Nothing Phone, not the Nothing Phone, the company. Oh, because the, okay. Because the phone only came out maybe a couple weeks ago, okay. or just still coming out, something like that. Yeah, because I haven't. It's not been on my radar. So yeah, I'm not sure yeah, if it yeah. has come out yet. So. Um, next question. Um, Vic asks, Microsoft has reportedly ordered PC manufacturers to abandon hard disk drives for solid state drives across all future Windows 11 devices. Do you have any comments on that? Um, until when PC users will be able to use HDD or their older laptops? 
Use what? All the older laptops? Um, to use, you know, HDD, which is uh, the hard okay, drives, okay. or their older laptops. Uh, I don't know about, like, how long that's going to take to phase out, but uh, it makes sense. I just want to know, like, how Windows is enforcing this, if it's going to be, like, a hard, sorry, a software thing where it kind of just doesn't allow you to install one. I don't I don't know. But, um, yeah, it makes sense. It's kind of the way the future is going. Um, but, you know, there might be some use cases, some edge cases where people want to have, like, future 100 gig 100 terabyte hard drives that are huge yeah. or whatever um so i think it's just going to be one of those 80 20 things where like for 80 percent of the people not going to mind this is fine but there's going to be that small small percentage which may not um yeah. really uh like it so yeah yeah so are do you feel more comfortable keeping stuff on a you know physical drive versus putting it on, on the cloud um so for small things like for example if i'm working on a document i love that on the cloud because yeah. any device I'm on and kind of just edit it. But for the majority of my stuff, like I'm a total like hard drive physical person, like even my music, it's all hard drive. Um, And and I'm not sure why particularly that is, but it's just kind of the way I've always um, done things and kept doing it. Um, Yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel, because I have a lot of, you know, images and photos, like, you know, memories and stuff like that. Um, and all that kind of stuff I put on a hard drive and now it's, I've got like tons of hard drives and yeah. I'm like, should I start using the cloud a bit more? Mm. Uh, Cause you know, it's, it, that's what they're pushing towards anyway. So, well, actually I kind of do know why that is. Cause there's a bit of friction well, for me anyway, because my internet it's okay, but it's not that great. Sure. Like, you know, if you're downloading stuff more than one gigabyte, it's like, uh, it's a bit, it's a bit, you yeah. know, a bit of a friction for that. So fair enough. Yeah. Um, well, We'll have to see uh, how Windows um, tackles that. Um, final, uh, well, it's a comment slash question. Uh, it's from Chris Westmoreland. Uh, hope I'm saying that right. Um, he says, uh, hey, dudes, can I like give you a dollar a month for an ad-free podcast? Um, this is a great podcast, but I hate ads, but you deserve the money. So make this easy, I guess. Thanks. Now, huh. <laughs> I brought that up because... Um, we actually don't have control over where YouTube puts the ads yet on the on the videos. So if you're watching the video um, and you're getting ads, this is actually completely. Oh yeah, we're not monetized. Yeah, we're not monetized just... yet, so um, that won't work. Uh, you just be out of dollar out of pocket every every month for nothing. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, if you're listening and you're getting ads as well, we have started adding some ads, but again, that's controlled by the the hosting platform. So. In theory, we're actually not placing any any ads on specific places um, for you. But it would be interesting to see if um, there's a way to make this ad free. Like, like how would that that go about? Well, there's quite <laughs> obvious solutions, I guess. Like, you know, month, Patreon monthly subscriptions. But then, whatever. could you stop ads on YouTube? On YouTube I think you can. You can. I think you can. Okay. I think because once you're monitoring, I think you can stop it but not yeah, before not, well, not, no, not now yeah but, um, okay so well if there's enough interest we might even start a patreon who knows and then maybe stop ads altogether mm-hmm. i don't know maybe leave a comment uh below if you think that we should go ad free or if we should put more ads uh, we can do <laughs> that as well more ads, more ads. Like <laughs> every second it's every, like every time the ad <laughs> this is brought to you by contra <laughs> new the la- EVs. the latest <laughs> latest in uh, yeah okay um well, look, I think that's that's about uh, the end of the show. It was a, a long one, a lot to get through, but a lot of fun, discussed a lot of things. I hope you guys had a blast too. And um, yeah, I guess uh, we'll be back next week and I'm 
we'll, we'll see you again then. So uh, until next time, cheers, guys. Have a good one. Thank you.